0: Welcome back to Swift Unwrapped, a podcast about the Swift programming language and other Swift news. I'm Jesse Squires
1: and I'm JP Smart.
0: Uh, today we're going to talk about error handling and Swift. We're going to peer into the past uh, and look at uh, something that landed in Swift uh, before it was open source. Error handling was a a major feature of Swift uh, 2.0, but when Swift was open sourced, uh, which I think was around Swift 2.1, 2.2, or 2.2 was the first open source release, I think with that open sourcing uh, came uh, some docs about the error handling rationale um, and just a, a general discussion of error handling in Swift it's kind of predated the more formal uh, Swift evolution uh, process but you can still see that these uh, somewhat less formal um, I guess proposals still follow the same like rough format of uh, the Swift evolution process and uh, we can read through these docs in the the main Swift repo and kind get a sense for why Swift error handling is the way it is today, and today we're going to talk about that and uh, some other history about how we got here and how it differs from Objective-C.
1: How it differs from Objective-C, C++, uh, Java, we'll take a look at some other languages out there, and um, there's some great documentation in the Swift Repos docs that talks about the trade-offs made by these different languages and kind of the sweet spot that Swift was aiming to to meet uh, with its error handling strategy.
0: Yeah, so uh, Objective-C, we all know, is a beautiful language. Uh, So nice. Love those uh, crowbar. But uh, error handling is uh, somewhat of a mess in Objective-C. Objective-C does have uh, formal exceptions um, and exception exception handling with try catch finally blocks, but it's not extremely widely used in Objective C. In fact, it's like highly discouraged for programmers to uh, to throw their own exceptions. Most exceptions in Objective C are used for unrecoverable uh, conditions, and a few APIs in the SDK will. Uh, explicitly mention that they throw exceptions, but most often, uh, what you see in Objective C are the in/out uh, NS error parameters. And so you have uh, some function. Often it will return uh, a boolean value, so yes or no, um, and then uh, you'll have this optional error parameter uh, that you get back. But there are a lot of the, lots of issues with. With this approach.
1: Yeah, there are issues, and there's also a lot of historical baggage that comes with Objective C's uh, error handling mechanisms. So, first of all, before ARC, uh, people were still using um, NSError in-out pointers. But uh, the biggest problem with that with ARC is that you couldn't guarantee um, null initialization. So when you were um, passing in an NS error pointer, you couldn't just check to see if the NS error was set to something after you made the call, uh, which is where this Boolean return value came in. And after ARC, uh, that was no longer necessary, where Uh, All variables were null-initialized by default. And so this Boolean value was more of historical baggage than anything else, but it was still kept around, and it was convention. It was so much in Objective-C that is convention-based right? to the point where um, Swift's error-handling interop with Objective-C when Swift 2 came around and we had um, Swift's now modern error-handling with the throws concept, the do-catch block, only Objective-C methods that returned a Boolean value with an NS in our pointer uh, were converted to throwing methods, even though, once again, post-arc, not necessary. Um, and there are all sorts of nice API things that you could do if you uh, avoided this bool return value. For example, you could return... Uh, a different object, a different instance from that method, and then have the the in-out NS error pointer report whether or not there was an error in creating that object. Uh, But you can't do that sticking with this Objective-C convention.
0: Yeah, or uh, objects, um, if the method returns uh, some object, it could return nil and then also pass back the error.
1: That's right. It, you had APIs that could be built in Objective-C with Arc that were like a poor man's tuple, basically. Right. Where it's either yeah, exactly. it, you would get an object back or uh, you'd get the NS error pointer populated. Um, but none of that played well with the Clang importer, with, uh, Swift's automatic, um, conversion of Objective-C error handling to Swift 2 error handling. And so you just kind of had this, um, this, this mess where you were stuck Uh, Sticking to the convention, even if it was kind of outdated. Uh, So there's that. There's also the fact that uh, in Objective C, um, you need to compile your Objective C code with a special flag for it to be exception safe because runtime exceptions in Objective C generally don't play well with Arc, mostly because uh, there's some heavy cleanup operations that are required if exceptions can happen at any time right the the runtime needs to unwind the stack and do a full cleanup whereas um you know so there's where another convention comes into play for objective c where foundation and a lot of popular third party objective c apis uh will only use runtime exceptions as unrecoverable errors basically so uh in the same sense that you might use fatal error in swift or a right. precondition or an assertion in swift where it's generally used to um, enforce API contracts where the type system isn't sufficient. And in Objective-C, for many years, the type system was not sufficient for a lot of operations.
0: For sure. Uh, So I think some of the errors that, um, or some of these unrecoverable errors, things like divide by zero, array out of bounds, throw exceptions. But other things that I think shouldn't uh, do throw exceptions, like ns-keyed archiver and unarchiver, if unarchiving fails, you actually get an exception there. That's right.
1: And the idea isn't uh, to recover from it, it's to adapt your code so that you code defensively to avoid that from happening.
0: Right, exactly. And so in that case, throwing an exception is more of like an error handling, like control flow mechanism instead of like an unrecoverable error. Like just because you can't deserialize uh, something doesn't mean you should Crash, crash your app. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, this is this is where I think there's a major point of confusion with Objective C and Objective C developers is that um, because. Objective-C has kind of overloaded this concept of a runtime exception to most of the time mean unrecoverable, but sometimes mean control flow. Right. Means that uh, there's no clear, like, best practice. Well, there's a best practice, but it doesn't apply all the time. And so sometimes you'll have uh, Objective-C developers attempt to recover From unrecoverable unrecoverable exceptions, or vice versa, we'll try to avoid recoverable exceptions because they're used to the other, whichever whichever the other one is.
0: Yeah, uh, occasionally I've seen Objective C programmers uh, actually throw their own exceptions, although it's pretty rare. And every time I've I've been like, nope. I don't think you want to do that. You probably just want to do an error pointer or some other way to handle this. Odds
1: are, yeah. and no matter what, you know there are cases for for throwing exceptions in Objective C API contracts being the the main one that comes to mind. Um, but no matter what, if you have a good reason or not, you must compile with the uh, with the safe exceptions flag um, if you're using ARC. Uh, and if you're not using ARC, then good luck because yeah. the um, the manual reference counting operations when you're dealing with exceptions is kind of tricky because you need to keep track of everything that could have possibly been retained and then subsequently uh, jump the stack and explicitly uh, release those things.
0: Oh, that's awful. It is. So terrible. Is that flag passed by default with no. ARC? No. Okay. No. So probably no one sets that.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh. <laughs> so Realm uses uh, Objective-C runtime exceptions for uh, API contract things. Sure. But uh, we make sure to, to pass that flag. All right, All right. Okay. And even then, these are things where, you know, in Swift, um, you would probably be using uh, fatal error or assertion or precondition.
0: Mm-hmm. So the other issue here is the error propagation and so imagine you're, you're in some class and you write a method that has this in-out ns error parameter and you return a Boolean or something else. Uh, but within that method, you call a method on another class with a similar uh, signature that also has the error pointer. And like maybe within the method of that class, it also has an error pointer. Very rarely, uh, if ever, do Objective-C programmers actually properly propagate Those nested errors all the way back up to the caller. Most often they are ignored by passing nil explicitly for that error pointer or they're just eaten uh, somewhere in that call tree and uh, you never get this proper uh, propagation uh, back to the caller.
1: Yeah, and it is tricky because, um, say you're, you have a method that calls out to four other methods that, um, are, are failable operations and that take in NS error, uh, in out pointers. Um, you kind of need to figure out how you want to re-expose that, uh, and, and whether or not you know, you want to re-expose whether or not you just want to set the error pointer that was passed into the exact error that what you're calling provided. right? Or if you want to do some sort of conversion where you re-abstract what the lower level errors are to a concept that actually makes sense to the consumer of your API, right. uh, which is kind of involved.
0: Yeah. So then you end up unpacking like a bunch of errors and then like potentially creating new error objects for your uh, specific API to propagate back to the caller, and I never do this. I don't know anyone who actually does. Yeah, d- d- well, does. Realm does. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we've we've really built Realm um, following the same conventions as uh, you know, Foundation and Apple frameworks would have, yeah. uh, for better or worse. But again, you know, Objective C was so convention-driven. Uh, that uh, that that was very important to us. But I agree that it's it's fairly uncommon to do.
0: Yeah. I guess to be clear, it's mostly in, in application code where if it's uh, like NS File Manager errors, like usually, or in a lot of cases, say like the specific error doesn't really matter. You just need to know that something failed and you can have some high-level wrapper to, to deal with that stuff. And you don't really have to propagate things up a lot of the time. Right but yeah it's definitely a pain to deal with if you want to do it quote the right way yeah yeah
1: i th- i think this um this segues nicely into uh kind of how swift introduced its error handling yeah um where uh swift 2 introduced a new error handling mechanism that uh uses the throws keyword so every function call or initializer or block or closure uh I think those are the only things that can really throw. Mm-hmm. All of those uh are untyped throws. Right. And the throws keyword needs to be explicitly annotated. Uh and it's a compile time error if you attempt to throw a Swift error uh from within a context that does not have this uh this throws annotation. Uh conversely, uh to invoke any method closure um function initializer that throws, that is marked as throws, it needs to um be coupled with the try keyword. And this try keyword has a few variants, um, either just you know the three-letter word uh which must either be called from within a do catch block or Or from within a a nested context, again, closure function initializer, that is also marked as throws. And it's a compile time error if you don't do that. Um,
0: There's a few exceptions here, or or variants. In that case, does the – so if you just use try uh, in a function that is already marked as throws, does does that have to be rethrows or is that a different – Context.
1: No, re is different and that's a little more complex. So we'll get to that a little later, yeah. but there's a few variants of the try keyword where there's the try exclamation mark, which does not need to be in a throwing context, whether a do catch block or a throws scope, um, which will trap if an error is produced. So that'll crash your app. Right. There's yeah. no way around it.
0: Yeah. It'll assert that, uh, there is no error. That's right. right. Yeah.
1: Um, and then there's another variant, which is the try question mark, which uh, will return, um, w- what is it? It will return nil if no error was produced. And I believe that it returns the swift error um, if an error was produced.
0: I, I thought, uh, like, if your function returns a value, uh, let's say it returns an int. That's right. Then... Yes, if you do try question mark, you'll get nil instead of whatever the int value would that's be. That's right. Yeah.
1: Um, but there's a case where... So the reason why I'm a little confused with this is because I usually just ignore the result of a try question mark operation. And that's yeah. um, when the function doesn't return anything or it returns void, which yeah. is equivalent in Swift. Yeah. Then uh, this, this is kind of interesting because it will... It will return nil if uh if what what happens? It returns nil in one case and void in the other.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. If uh, so you'll get either the empty tuple or uh, nil or nil. Oh. I, I think so. Yeah. It's which a little is confusing. interesting because they're both essentially uh they're to represent nothing nothing right yeah. <laughs> they're both nothingness concepts yeah. so it's like nothing or really nothing yeah or more nothing yeah <laughs> uh
1: yeah i'm I'm not actually sure um the exact the exact semantics there, but it's basically it you're ignoring all um all errors that may or may not be produced mm-hmm. right so um oftentimes if say you want to use uh a file manager remove item at, at URL yeah. and the item may or may not exist right or that operation may succeed or may fail you don't care um you know it's kind of just a uh an unimportant cleanup operation then you might assign um you know try question mark the the result of that operation to underscore
0: yeah um, right
1: right or if you don't if you don't care what kind of error it caught, you just want to know if it caught an error or not, then you might compare that against nil. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are uh, most of the simple cases of Swift's error handling. And then there's the rethrows concept that you mentioned. Right. Which is usually um, it's for closures.
0: A, yeah. If a closure that you receive in the function throws.
1: That's right. Yeah. So... so um, rethrows will at compile time only be only mark the the function that you're calling is throwable if what you passed in as a closure is throwable. So one, uh, one example is uh, the sequence type map function mm-hmm. where uh, you can call map with a block that doesn't throw and then in in the context where you're calling map, you don't need to have a try. Uh, and you don't need to to do this within a, a, th- a throwing context. But if the mapping block function or closure that you pass in is throwable, it, it's marked as throws, then you'll need to um, you'll need to
0: call that with a try. Right, because then the outer map uses the rethrows version. That's right. Yeah.
1: Um, well, it always uses the rethrows version, but. The, if the inner closure doesn't throw, then you don't need the try operator. And if it does, then you do. I see. So it's a compile time. Um, it's a, a compile time construct that will, you can think of it like creating two methods, right? One that I- is not marked as throws that takes a block that isn't marked as throws. Mm-hmm. And then the other that is, that the function is marked as throws and takes a block marks as throws. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's no, there are no other cases other than those two. Right. Um, Unless you have multiple rethrows statements in a single function, then it'll create the number that it needs.
0: Right. But uh, can you overload functions in that way? I know with regular throws, I think it's illegal to, if you have uh, like a void int function, you can't also overload that with, uh, void throws and
1: yeah I, th- I think you're right um so rethrows is is kind of the only way to accomplish that
0: i see yeah interesting
1: yeah otherwise you get uh you get an ambiguous uh function reference yeah because which one do you want
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: You've, either you're yeah, missing not- the error handling or um uh yeah uh, it's it's a little confusing so the only case in which this works is is the rethrows concept
0: yeah. Speaking of which, the there's a discussion on the list a while back about moving the throws keyword. Uh but in these docs they actually outline uh why uh throws comes before the arrow. So like normally you have a function parentheses with parameters and then the arrow and then the return type. Uh so the grammar actually specifies that throws comes after those parentheses. Um and this is for consistency uh with void uh return types so if your function is void, you could explicitly have you know arrow void um or you can omit that uh because of swift's uh type inference um and so this is uh so the placement of throws after the parentheses is because of that reason
1: that's that's yeah. interesting I didn't know that, but it makes a lot of sense
0: yeah so now if Uh, yeah. So now thinking about like moving throws to the right of the arrow or even at the very end of the declaration, uh, feels strange.
1: Well, yeah, it's strange because for, when you think of it from the parser's standpoint, it needs to handle multiple cases, Mm -hmm. right? Where you currently, if it sees an arrow, it knows for sure that that function isn't marked as throws. Um, and you know, you could argue that you shouldn't optimize for what's easiest to parse um, with the compiler, but uh, it's probably easier to parse as a human as well.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, parsing is hard.
1: Yeah. Um, And, and this leads us to uh, a discussion that's been recurring ever since Swift 2 was announced, is whether or not it should be possible to um, annotate the throws keyword with a type so that that function can only throw uh, a Swift error of like a specific enum or a specific type.
0: Yeah, so when Swift 2.0 was announced, this was one of the big um, like new features. And uh, there's a lot of excitement, it seemed, from the core team about this. Um, you know, hey, look at our new fancy error handling model uh, in Swift. For anyone listening who used Swift before Swift 2.0 and before it was open sourced, uh, which I'd be interested to know actually, like how many Swift developers started, uh, which version of Swift they started with, actually. Maybe but, Stack
1: Overflow's developer surveys uh, would have some insight there with yeah. the uh, Swift two
0: or Swift three tag. Right. Right. I don't know because the you know part of the the appeal to Swift's error handling model at the time was that. Interop with the Objective-C APIs that take the NS error pointers was a real pain in Swift. It didn't feel Swift-y. It was uh, another thing that kind of hindered beginners um, because then all of a sudden you have to know about in-out parameters and the ampersand syntax um, to pass those in, and it just gets a little awkward in Swift world. So part of um, the community's response to uh, the error handling, uh, was, oh, well, Swift is this type-safe language. Um, everything is about type safety, yet now we have this generic throws um, that doesn't throw a specific error. It's just a generic, at the time, it was a error, which was a protocol, but it's since been renamed to error protocol. And that's all you get back is a generic, um, not generic in the sense of actually generic, but there's just this plain error protocol uh, type instead of a specific type.
1: Yeah. Um, and there's been so much back and forth on the merits
0: of typed throws yep.
1: and the trade-offs of typed throws. Sure. Um, and yeah, this is this is where things get really interesting, I think. You know, with with error handling, um, one of the strengths of Swift is that uh, you can easily compose a lot of different things, a lot of different functions, types, etc. Um, Swift types are very lightweight. So it makes it very easy to have kind of very focused domain specific um, types, even for very small things. Like, um, you know, we have the pervasiveness of the result enum, or the either enum, or just small structs when you want to represent um, a small value, or even enums when you want want to represent a Boolean that has two very uh, clear uh, members, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, this composability is actually made easier by having a very open, very generic, non-constrained throws keyword. Um, And let let me explain why I think that. Uh, the lower level you go uh, in in programming, the closer you get to systems programming, the more you have kind of a very finite set uh, of error cases, right? So, for example, if you're doing disk I/O, um, then you know accesses to the disk and the file system can fail in like a number of discrete ways, and in that sense, it's very useful to have uh, very constrained types that you can throw. And and in that sense, you you generally want uh, error handling to be exhaustive in the sense that you want callers to be aware of all the potential cases and uh, to knowingly kind of group them together or knowingly handle them uh, individually. But the higher up you go, the less that's the case, right? So, Say you're building an API that, um, uh, I don't know, it's it's a networking API. You don't particularly care if like somewhere low down the stack, um, a socket connection could be established, right? At the very high level, you just kind of want to say that the request failed. Um, but having typed throws all the way up the stack makes it difficult to compose because at every layer... Of abstraction, you need to retranslate what the low level error is, and it could potentially be, it could potentially span several domains, right? If you have a function call that, that's just like perform requests, and then there's one method in there that's like open socket, um, translate this data, serialize it, uh, put it in this buffer, close the socket, w- whatever, right? right? And you don't want to re expose like one of those cryptic system level errors for any one of those individual calls. You kind of want to re-expose it in a domain that makes sense for the consumer of this API. But if you have strongly typed throws all the way up the stack, you need to kind of have a a different type for every level of that stack. And then you need to do the the same manual error merging and combining as we were talking about earlier in Objective-C, where you're merging these NS error pointer contents into a reabstracted level every step of the way and really um the higher up you go up up in this level of, of abstraction you should also have higher level abstraction errors exactly and so by having an untyped or potentially even an uh an optionally typed throws you can choose to discard or group together the lower level uh errors that you just don't care about at that point in time. And yeah, so I, I think basically having an untyped throws is a strong advantage to composability of APIs and encouraging having as many types as you need um, to to ensure that composability and ultimately maintainability and testability of all that code.
0: Yeah. And the alternative here uh, you basically, you eventually get to this very nightmarish place where if you have these lower level system APIs, let's say they throw uh, types of errors A, B, and C, let's say each of those domains A, B, and C also have, uh, let's say like two to three uh, like enum cases of the the types of errors in those specific domains, then if you want to If you don't swallow these types or uh, reconstruct them to throw uh, this kind of higher level type, then you'd end up with this top level function that throws types errors A, B, and C. So eventually you get to this point where uh, your function signature for a throwing method has uh, just an array of different error types after the throws annotation Um, And then that just becomes uh, totally unmaintainable.
1: Right. Not to mention that Swift's type system historically has had limitations so that you can't really have this covariant type of saying, I return one of uh, a single error of either type A, B, or C, or no error at all. Yeah, And so, yeah, there are type system limitations, but also...
0: Even if there weren't, though, that no one wants to deal with uh, some API that can throw all these different types of errors. Exactly. Um, And so
1: I I would really see, it's not that I think that Swift's error handling system right now is perfect, but I would just be cognizant of the trade-off of making things very explicitly strongly typed at this level. Um, What I would like to see is uh, opt-in behavior for uh, typed throws that... Hopefully would be the exception and not the rule of uh, API designers where the lower level you go, the more constrained uh, the set of errors can be. Um, that only in those cases would you opt into this typed throws behavior where you are conveying to the consumer of the API that this is intended to be, uh, all the error cases are intended to be ex- exhaustively checked so that you're aware of all of the different ways in which this can fail. But the higher up you go, you could um, you know avoid this opt-in strongly typed throws and only expose um, kind of a generic, did this
0: work or not? So I guess in that case, you would omit the final catch for like the catch all clause. Um, because if you have this optionally, explicitly type throws, you'd want to enforce that exhaustive yeah. check. Yeah, that's that's
1: how I'd see it. Just like the compiler can detect if a switch case is exhaustive.
0: Right. Yeah. So that brings us to the other uh, kind of uh, ease of use aspect of this, which is the do catch syntax works very similar to switch. You can match on Um, so with all of your different catch clauses, you can, uh, pattern match just like you would in a switch statement, uh, which is nice because then, you know, if you, you document the types of errors that you can throw for this particular API, then the caller is aware of what can throw, uh, based on the docs, and then they can catch only the ones that they care about handling and if they don't care about the specific error, they can just have this catch all block at the end. And like we mentioned earlier, there are some cases where the actual error doesn't matter; just that something failed matters. Um, in that case, it makes uh, this kind of error handling very easy.
1: One more thing I have to add on typed throws is that if you require typed throws all the way up the the stack, the you know across the stack, um. Some languages do have that, right? So Java, I believe, has that where um, the the throwable methods are uh, or or can be strongly typed. What you get to is kind of a type compatibility nightmare where when you're trying to compose this, you need to adapt your code so that the type system is happy with everything that you're kind of rethrowing um which can really lead to to cases where this uh reabstraction at every level of hierarchy or, or abstraction um is very difficult to do because you need to make sure that all all error types from one level can be converted to an error type at the level higher um and the alternative to that is just the, the kind of some type that you mentioned earlier where it can throws e- it can throw either a b or c one of or none of um, which is even worse
0: yeah definitely uh, in my experience so far with the the error handling I I think I've had pretty good experiences so far there I don't think I've really had a case where I really wanted typed throws for any specific reason um, so I think it it it's, it's worked well for me.
1: Yeah, it works out. Um, I think it was the right thing at the right time. I do think that there's room for improvement. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's diminishing returns at this point.
0: Sure. One thing that's actually mentioned uh, in these error handling docs, which is another thing that's come up on the list a whole lot, um, is actually including a result T in the standard library. And that's come up on the lists numerous times. Um I think uh, well, I just noting, I guess that the core team is pretty aware of this and it sounds like this could still happen in the future um, but that will come with um, you know later considerations when when some discussion like this is in scope for a particular Swift release, potentially when a concurrency model comes to Swift, a native concurrency model uh, with async await, and actors, and all of that Um, seems like the appropriate time to reconsider a discussion about result T. Yeah,
1: one of the reasons that was given um, when Swift 2 came out as to why they didn't go for a result type is that it made it too easy to ignore the error paths, Right, or if you just ignore the return value, if the return value is just a plain old um, enum, right, like like most result implementations are, um, then it, it does make it quite easy to just ignore the result.
0: Right. And to fail to propagate that uh, yes. up the chain. Yeah. Yep. And then you just end up in the, the same situation as Objective-C where you eat the errors or... Right. Um, yeah. Um,
1: and it, I have seen code that really makes good use of a result type for, um, for errors, for error handling... Uh, I've code that I've written myself that makes use of this. Reactive Cocoa makes heavy use of this as well.
0: But um, I think the real core use case for this would be asynchronous APIs, right? Because try catch, that's where try catch kind of fails.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That might make sense. Um, It is an answer to that. And it is not the only answer. Right. Yeah. I'm curious to see where Swift evolves in that sense and the years to come.
0: All right. Well, that's all we have for this episode. I'm Jesse Squires. You can find me on Twitter, Jesse underscore Squires.
1: And I'm JP Simard. You can find me on Twitter at SimJP. And the show is at Swift underscore Unwrapped. See you next time.